Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, I don't know if uh, if you're listening to this, you probably already know. Mr. Baffert has uh, has escaped the law once again. <laughs> the Arkansas uh, authorities did a poor job in handling the samples, and as such... The cases against Gemine and Charlatan have been dropped. Uh, they were the original placings are restored, and I think Mr. Baffert's been fined five hundred dollars. So I'm sure that that'll be the talk for the next uh, three days. But uh, but but we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk to Bobby Newman. Bobby, are you there? What's going on, Chuck? How are you today? Well, I was I was worrying, uh, wor- you know, about. Uh, about you in Des Moines, Iowa, this summer, and and uh, I mean, did they carry Dodger games out there? Uh, they, I think they have a minor league Cubs team that plays in the area, uh, but uh, no. And uh, Des Moines is about a little over three hours south of Minneapolis, a little over three hours north of Kansas City. Uh, unfortunately, the Dodgers don't play interleague in Minnesota or Kansas City <laughs> this year, but. Uh, Chicago's uh, sure not too far away. On TV. I've never been to Iowa. I'm looking forward to the uh, experience. I, I, I actually was in Iowa once, uh, and I was with uh, two friends of ours, uh, Steve Mazilia and Tim Barden, as we were driving home from the University of Arizona, my graduation, um, and we had this unbelievable trek across the country, and we were trying to make it in one day to Minnesota to drop off Steve in, in Minneapolis. He lived right outside of Minneapolis, and we we just literally couldn't make it. Uh, and we made it to uh, to Altoona. <laughs> we, we were in the Holiday Inn right down the road from uh, from Prairie Meadows, which at that time was was a brand new track. It, it wasn't very old at all. But uh, but that was my only my only uh, experience in uh, the great state of Iowa. Well, I'm looking forward to getting out there, looking forward to getting back in the booth. And uh, it's a great situation for me because uh, the people seem very nice. Uh, it's uh, They race Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays. Either in the, They race at uh, uh, 6 p.m. Central Time Fridays and Saturdays, 4 p.m. Central Time Sundays and Mondays, which means it doesn't overlap with my HRRN radio work at all. I can still do that. Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays with our good friend Anthony Stabile before I get on the mic. Well, yes, and for people that uh, that don't know, Bobby has accepted a position as the uh, track announcer at Prairie Meadows starting uh, well, after Derby Week, right? You're you're gonna you're gonna do uh, HRN work on Derby Week at Churchill, and, and then go head over there after that. Yeah, I, I committed a long time ago to uh, doing some on-site coverage for Horse Racing Radio Network. Uh, from Churchill Downs all next week. And uh, if you don't mind a shameless plug, we're actually doing some derby countdown shows, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time, next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live from the barn area uh, at Churchill. Jude Feldman, myself, and we'll have all sorts of guests on, whether it's jockeys, trainers, owners, breeders, all, all, all the, the wheelers and dealers involved with both the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks next week. Uh, I'll be hosting live Oaks Day coverage on the network, uh, as well as the undercard of the Derby, and then uh, Mike Penna 
uh, Kurt Becker and the rest of the team, they'll take over for the Kentucky Derby on HRN a week from Saturday. So looking forward to looking forward to actually getting back on track live at Churchill Downs. It's uh, so much fun being around just, you know, around the horses and around people you haven't seen usually in uh, six months to a year, whether you see in Breeders' Cup and Triple Crown time. But uh, really looking forward to getting back out there. And Prairie Meadows actually opens on Kentucky Oaks Day, April 30th. They were uh, very generous in allowing me to, to keep my commitment to HR. And uh, their <clears throat> announcer from many, many years ago, Jim Miller, will actually call the first two nights of the Prairie Meadows meet, and then I'll jump into the booth uh, the Friday after that. That's cool. Uh, at least uh, in those morning shows, you won't get preempted by uh, Major League Baseball games. No, in fact, uh, every now and then that's a little bit of an issue on Sirius XM, but, but uh, thankfully not too often. It's, uh, you know, it's just when there's a lot of day games, such as opening day. But no, 8 to 10 in the morning uh, won't be any issues. Pope Jude will be with you. Pope Jude is very much looking forward to uh, getting back in the swing of things. I think he feels like he's been cooped up just like everyone else has for the last year or so with everything that's going on in the world. And he is uh, looking forward to getting out and spreading his wings, if you will. Yeah. You know, the, the Derby week, it's such a, um, there's so much energy there and, and you just get caught up in it. Even if you, if you're not participating or, or have anything to do with it, it it's just, uh, you know, I mean, it's the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it transcends our sport and, and it, it's our one big, um, shining day uh, on the national scene. Right. It, you know, the, the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Oaks are two fabulous races. My, my personal opinion is this isn't the fastest field of three-year-olds that we've ever seen headed to the Kentucky Derby, but it, it's a very evenly matched field. There, there are a lot of horses, I think, that have a chance to win. And whether you have a big opinion on the Derby or the Oaks or not, there's so many other great races those days at Churchill Downs. Uh, stake races wise, and you're going to see other stars of the sport out there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have coverage, uh, you know, throughout the week. I think it's Sirius 219 XM 201 and online at horseracingradio.net. They can, everyone can just check the schedule uh, for not only our weekly shows, but our Derby Week coverage by going to horseracingradio.net. You'll be able to see it. In fact, I don't know if you've mentioned this, Chuck, we're going to have you on with me tomorrow doing race day from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. So I know everyone listening to the podcast is, uh, is a fan of yours, and if they want to hear even more of you, they can tune in tomorrow, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time, for live racing coverage. And we'll have Keeneland, and we'll have Tampa Bay Downs, and we'll have Indiana Grand, and I'm sure we'll have time to talk a lot of more things. Once again, Sirius 219XM201 or online at horseracingradio.net. I'm sure everyone's saying, man, I can't wait to hear Chuck's Indiana Grand selections tomorrow. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Indiana Grand, what, you know, 20 years ago, you'd have probably gotten a lot of dirty looks if you would have said, uh, there's going to be a track in Indiana, a new track in Indiana, and they're going to do you know, this many million dollars of handle and they're going to get horses from Kentucky and they're going to get horses from this. And say, there's not going to be another track in Indiana that, you know, everyone will be kind of naysaying. They have done a phenomenal job and they keep becoming more popular year after year. Uh, guy that 
you and I both know Eric Halstrom is uh, the gentleman who runs the racing there now, and uh, he and his team uh, have done a fantastic job, and they put out a great product. You know, they have main track racing, they have turf course racing, and uh, they have big stakes throughout the year, and, and they fill a little bit of a void because they run uh, on days when, you know, the quote-unquote major racetracks don't run. They'll, they'll run on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, and let the, you know, the New Yorks and Floridas and Kentuckys and Californias battle for the weekend dollar. You know, we had on Gabe Pruitt as our first guest, and and that's exactly what the the formula that he used at Pompano um, to you know get off of Saturdays, uh, you know, have have days where you're going to get uh, some TVG exposure uh, and and fill a niche that that uh, you know instead of competing. Uh, especially with so much of the, the the handle now is off track, and you don't need to be racing on a, on a week weekend where you know people aren't working because uh, you know it's 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 off track money and and people can bet from anywhere and uh, you know the he's done a great job at Pompano. I mean they like he he said he'd come to work there seven years ago. They were doing fifty thousand dollars a night. This year alone, they've had twenty days of a million dollars or more in handle. And Indian Grand is kind of the uh, the thoroughbred um, side of that equation, and like you said, zigging when everyone else is zagging, and, and you know, making controlling your betting menus so you maximize the the handle, and um, it's it's it shows that if you do things the right way and you give the people what they want, they'll 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 back your product. And and I think I like that's one of the reasons that I'm excited about going to Prairie Meadows is because they've been doing this for years. They run. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they're never running on top of New York or Florida or Kentucky. They might catch a little part of the back end of when Southern California is racing. But to be perfectly honest, the racing in Southern California is not what it used to be. Um, And the betting on the racing in Southern California definitely isn't what it used to be. So they've got a great niche right in there where uh, you follow all those, those big Class A, if you will, tracks. And uh, they'll get a lot of coverage on TVG, and, and they do well with handle. But Indiana Grand, yeah, they've they've figured it out. And I think I think it took a long time. I think it took a long time for racetracks to be able to swallow the thought that we are not going to be racing on weekends. I, I don't know if it was an ego thing or what it was, but now. And I'll tell you what, COVID made this even more so. Everyone is betting off track. I mean, if you didn't have an account, an online account before, when COVID hit, if you wanted to keep betting, you opened one. And it doesn't matter if it's Express Bet or Naira Bets or TVG or Twin Spires or wherever you're betting with. You know, they all do a fantastic job. And everyone from the, you know, $2 better to the 2000 and higher better have these accounts now and you know a lot of people don't need you know they don't need the hassle of going to the track you and i love being at the track i love just being around the live racing there's something about being at the track uh that you know makes it more fun for me but if we're in a pinch and we want to play something don't have to drive 30 minutes each way to play you know to make a bet we can do it very easily indiana grand has figured this out uh and I mean, Pompano, another example, you mentioned Gabe Pruitt. 
they've basically done away with all the seating at Pompano Park. The grandstand still stands. Yeah. They use it for nothing. No, Literally nothing. I, I think as it's. Far as I think. Fans go. I believe it's uh, condemned. It, <laughs> I'm not sure, but is, if it's not condemned, it should be. Well, the apron is open. I think they may have some some tellers and betting machines on that bottom floor. Uh, and no, they get rid of them. Outside the casino building, yeah. uh, which is not the you know the greatest seating in the world, but no, there's some seating. There's there. probably a hundred you know, seats is, there. It, it, it was when I first started going to Pompano Park you know, 30 years ago, they'd have a full clubhouse and dining room. It was fantastic. And and now they just don't have the live attendance that they need any of that. And they realize it. And uh, my guess is eventually that the whole grandstand and, and building will be torn down. They'll probably put a hotel or something there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's It's one of the issues with horse racing is that uh, to run races, you need a lot of space, and it's not um, you know land in a lot of places is is more valuable um, as real estate than it is at uh, as a racetrack. And unfortunately, when racetracks got um, other businesses, you know, especially I mean, let's call it spade a spade, the casinos, um, you know, their focus on racing kind of waned in a lot of ways because. I, I I said this example with with uh, Gabe. I said if you had twenty horses in your barn and ten were stake horses and ten were five claimers, like which one would you pay more attention to? And that's what the tracks do because the casino money is a lot easier money. Um, they don't have the backside to deal with. They don't have uh, pain in the ass trainers to deal with. They don't have um, to cover you know to to cover the jockeys' insurance and and to worry about horses getting hurt and the track maintenance and the water and the I mean they're 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 their insurance bill, their liability insurance bill has got to be gigantic. So, I mean, it's part of, you know, life in the big city. But, uh, you know, most of our tracks were built a long time ago. And some of them were out in the boonies when they were built. But now they're not. And they're in, uh, you know, urban centers that, that the land is, is very val- valuable. And, uh, you know, it's 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 tough to... to um, you know, I, I get why they do it. I mean, we just don't have to like it. Well, I mean, Pompano Park for, is another example of, you know, being racing at the right time. And Gabe has obviously been very instrumental at getting them onto the right days and right post times to maximize, maximize their handle. Uh, the quality of racing at Pompano is not better now than it used to be. In fact, I would blatantly say it's not even close to as strong now as it used to be but the handle's so much better because they're in the right spots and they know that you know if they race on sunday nights for example there's almost nobody that they have to have to go against and they're going to get all their races on tvg and they're going to get interviews and things like that and and the handle will be big i mean papano was a place that once upon a time used to have breeders crowns there yeah, no and now i mean uh you know you barely ever have purses that are higher than four figures at pompano um it doesn't matter the handle's gigantic and they've done a great job there and maximized uh what they can get out of their product and that and that's i think the best word is that um they've they've been able to maximize 
the product that they have because I mean, listen, they they run a lot of amateur races. They run a uh, the driving colony is um, you know I mean this winter was kind of an odd colony. It had two Hall of Fame drivers, um, you know, Wally Hennessy who had always kind of dominated, and Dave Miller came and spent some time down here. Um, and then you have uh, you know kind of some B level guys and. Then you had a couple young guys, and then you had guys like me and you. <laughs> you know, they had picked up us and put us in colors and said, "Let's go." And uh, uh, yet they're they're doing ten times what they used to do. So it just goes to show you product, you know, placement, uh, wagering menus, staying off other signals, um, being you know racing on the right days, and 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 then, you know, Gabe does a lot of promotion. I mean, he's on social media a lot, and it, it's it, he he's a guy who bets himself. And doesn't come across as a guy that's trying, just trying to shill a product. He's, um, you know, he's he's a, a player too, and I think people appreciate that. And uh, you know, that's I, I think when you know you're real um, with with gamblers and betters that they see through the people that aren't. And uh, I, I think that's something that they appreciate that uh, you know you understand the, the issues that that they're dealing with. All right. Well, we're in agreement, buddy. They're doing the right things there. Well, so so um, Iowa. Yeah, I don't know anything about it other than everyone seems very nice, and it's a it's a place that I've never been and I've always wanted to go. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, it seems like a fun opportunity. Uh, they've got some big races through the year. It starts off with a 100% thoroughbred meat for the first month and a half or so, and then they start uh, running a mixed meat of quarter horses and thoroughbreds, which is fun. And they'll have a lot of promotional days, and it, it just seems like it's a fun place to go. It's a, it's a fun product to watch and wager on, and uh, looking forward to getting out there. That's cool. I really is, uh, and I'm happy that uh, you know you're getting back in the booth. I, w- I wonder what the booth is like. If if uh, you know, it's it's funny because uh, someone was criticizing Kurt Becker the other day about not calling photo finishes, and someone else piped in, and, and this was, of course was on Twitter um, that the booth at Keeneland is not at a great angle to make the calls and. Uh, I don't think people realize that not every announcer's booth is is like sitting there exactly right dead on the wire. No, in fact, very few that I've worked from are right on the finish line. And uh, the, the thing with calling photo finishes, and listen, Kurt makes basically no mistakes. He's a solid announcer, as I've heard in my lifetime. Uh, and... If you call tight finishes, no one's going to ever compliment you for calling the finish. You're only going to look like a jackball if you mess it up. <laughs> yes. Uh, where if you say that the race, you know, it's too tight to call or whatever, you know, whatever saying the announcer say, that's fine. You know, if somebody wants to get mad that you didn't call a photo finish, folks who are watching the race, they have a better view on the TV than the announcer does from the booth. And even if, uh, the announcer says that it's too tight to call or it's a photo finish, you know, you might be able to see that the horse line knows. Now I'll say this, you and I have watched a lot of Gulfstream park over the years. There are races, especially uh, turf races mm-hmm. there where you're watching on the TV 
and you'll think either a horse won by a head and it'll be the other way around, or you'll think it might have been a dead heat and a horse wins by a head, where even the, the camera isn't right on the finish line. And that, you know, that's the part that's a little, little unnerving. I mean, Anthony Stabile and I have said many times, said, we need to see that photo. There's no possible way the four beat the five. I, I have to see that photo. And, we'll, you know, we watch replay after replay. And, no, I still don't see it. Don't see it. <laughs> no, but, uh, but the, the, know, dirt, the turf finish our, line at Goldstream Park is very, very difficult. <laughs> it really is. The turf finish line at Goldstream is, is, is very difficult, especially when the rails are way out. It, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's hard to tell. And uh, there, there's very few tracks that have, like, a, a shutter cam where mm-hmm. you can absolutely tell on a slow-mo whose nose was down we you know most races aren't close enough that it comes down to that but uh uh yeah i i think i would give kurt a little bit of a a little bit of leeway on that um if if the biggest complaint somebody has about kurt is that uh he's not calling enough photo finishes that guy's doing a heck of a job (laughs) no no doubt it's like umpires they only they only pay attention when you screw something up um you know it's interesting because i think that uh, and, 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 you know, don't take any offense at this, but I think sometimes um, people, like, they obsess a little bit too much over track announcers in that it doesn't really affect the race, you know. And, yes, you, you know, a, a clear, concise caller and, uh, you know, you're, you're, very, you're a very accurate caller. Um, you know, Tom Durkin, of course, was, you know, use of the big words and, and, and such. I mean, there's so many great callers. Um, Luke, Luke, you know, Luke Kryposh, he, he was, he was really good. He had his own unique style, but, um, it's funny because, uh, <laughs> I mean, a legend is, is retiring. Um, and I, I, I mean, personally, I like him, you know, I, I like him personally, but he, he, he just, his style, <laughs> like it always kind of cracked me up and, and, and that would be, you know, the great Richard Grunder at Tampa Bay Downs. And I, I would always think it was funny on social media how some people got so upset because he kind of like you know uh, you know said three across the track and one horse was like four lengths ahead <laughs> you know but um it, it just seems like it, it's it, there's a whole lot of uh, you know other things to 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 obsess about. Yeah, uh, and I think everyone has their favorites, and everyone has people that they dislike. They're you know they're for while we were growing up. It seemed like you were either either a Durkin or a Denman fan. I don't see why you couldn't like both of those guys. They're obviously uh, yeah. both fantastic announcers. Uh, you know, they're, they're guys calling it big tracks right now that may be uh, great on you. You know, maybe it's their voice. Maybe it's their mannerisms. But whatever, as long as they are uh, do their job well, you know, even whether, whatever intricacies they have, I don't have an issue with it. It's very strange that they've had – We've had three announcers in the last six months who are basically, I don't know if you want to say legends, but I mean, that were at their tracks forever that have stepped Fixtures. down. Fixtures. First was the, the gentleman at Delaware Park, John Curran. He had been there for 35, 37 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Jones at, I, I'll always call it Philly Park. I know it's parks, but I, I refuse. I, it's Philly Park as far as I'm concerned. Keith Jones there since the he might have been there since keystone and richard grunder after uh in another week and a half is exiting it's a a strange time you know these are guys who you know some of us have never heard 
other people calling races at those racetracks. No, that's true. I, I think Keith Jones started at Keystone. I think it was before Philly Park. Um, that's true. And, you know, there's such a recognition to those. Uh, you hear Richard Grunder, you know Tampa's on. You, you heard Keith Jones, you knew uh, that was a race from Parks because they didn't um, call other places, and, and they had been there for so long. I mean, we, like you said, we literally have, have never heard anyone else call the races at these particular spots. And, uh, I mean, I like having a voice associated with a, a circuit or, or a track because to me it, it lends some, um, I don't know, not stability, but you know, it, it just kind of, uh, the, the announcer is the voice of the track and uh, his races and his calls are, are going to be something that, that we hear um, in when, you know, when we go back and we watch races from, from uh, the past uh, at a certain track, especially the, the big races, uh, and, and that announcer's voice, you know, that's that's part of um, the story of, of, of each particular race. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think we'd ever, you know, I'd ever get used to Trevor Denman not calling it Santa Anita or Phil George S. not calling yeah. it at Arlington Park uh, or uh, Terry Wallace at Oak Lawn. Yeah, Terry ever. Wallace. That's true. I mean, there was a point that they actually had a, a poll in Arkansas of the 10 most popular people in the state. He was seventh <laughs> in the entire state of Arkansas. Bill Clinton was number one, and Terry Wallace was number seven of the most popular people in the state wow. of Arkansas. So imagine that, you know, just stepping into there where, you know, he's a, a basically a legend stepping down a few years back. And, uh, but it is what it is, just the same as, you know, Vin Scully eventually stopped calling Dodger games and Chick yeah. Hearn eventually stopped calling Laker games and uh, things like that. Ernie Harwell and, and other people like that. Uh, change happens, and hopefully whoever steps in uh, does a good job filling those big shoes. No, that that is that is definitely true. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, the track announcer is important. But I, I just I, sometimes the criticism seems like it just is. I guess sometimes it's our society now. We're we're just critical of of things because we're we're just critical of things, and uh, uh, you know it's it's um, it is what it is. I guess. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to, to checking out you doing some uh, some of the Iowa breads. I'm gonna have to dust off my. Uh, uh, stallion register and, and see who the big studs are in the, the Iowa breads community out there. I, I actually ran a horse at Iowa one time and, and the, the Prairie Meadows gold, not the gold cup, the, um, I can't remember one of the, one, no, no, no. It was one of the two year old races. Um, oh, okay. it was a, a Philly, uh, who had broke her maiden at Churchill for, I think maiden 50. And this was in like June. And, you know, when you break your maiden that early with a horse, especially now, I mean, now even worse than before, um, there just isn't a whole lot of races for winners at that point in the season, you know, other than stake races. And and at the time, she, she you know, was decidedly not uh, stakes caliber on the dirt. Um, and the Prairie Meadows, uh, something, man, they had, to, they had a race over there. It was like $50,000, and, and we, we we sent her over there, and she, she finished third, and... Uh, she actually wound up winning a stake at Keeneland on the grass. Uh, she turned out to be a word puzzle was her name. She was a pretty good little horse. Um, she actually, we supplemented her 
to the race at Hollywood Park. It was a $200,000 race for two-year-olds. Um, Might have been the Land of Lucy. During, no, it was, it was on the turf. Um, oh, okay. It was on the turf during that, that Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, yeah, the, the Hollywood, the, the turf festival. Yeah, and uh, we, wound up, we, we had to supplement, uh, which cost Mr. Ramsey like $10,000. It, it might have been the Miesque. Actually. It might have been the Miesque. It, it, honestly, it might. I think it was the Miesque. And uh, and Kent DeSormo, like never gave her a shot. But uh, and I'm still pissed off about that. But um, yeah, she was a pretty decent horse. But the the, the Prairie Meadows, man, I can't remember the name of the race. But uh, uh, it, everybody was so nice there. Dave McShane. I shipped the horse to Dave McShane's barn. I don't know if he's if he's still there or not. If he's still training or, or not. But uh, yeah, everybody was was super nice and. Uh, you know, you live in South Florida for a long time. You get used to people being mean to you. So, like, when you go to places like the Midwest, everyone's nice. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, so, you made a comment before um, about the Derby. Uh, I mean, like, what what are your – I don't want to ask you who you like, but who do you like? <laughs> well – First of all, I don't make a pick until I see the post positions because I learned a few years ago the hard way that uh, drawing the inside is not so good. And all you need to do is go back and watch the trip looking at luck he had when he broke from the rail and then watch what he did in the Preakness when they brought him back two weeks later when he didn't have that post. So I'm not going to make a pick yet. I'll say this. Um, I think with all due respect to the folks in New York and in Arkansas, that the, this was the slowest bunch of Arkansas Derby horses and slowest bunch of Wood Memorial horses that came out on top that I've seen in a while. I, I don't know how Concert Tour didn't win that race. I, I thought he laid over that field, and whether he just couldn't go a mile and an eighth or he just threw in a clunker or maybe something else happened, who knows. But uh, I, I don't, I wasn't, I'm not in, under the impression that. Superstock and Cattle River improved and beat him that day. I think he just ran horribly, and those horses just kind of plodded by him. Uh, Burbonic winning the wood, that, you know, great for him, great if you bet on him. That doesn't seem like a very big race to me. Um, Essential Quality has done nothing wrong. He's probably the best horse as of now. I don't think he lays over this field. The horse that he barely beat in the bluegrass, highly motivated, I think has every reason to run better in the derby than he did in the bluegrass. It was his first time around two turns. It was his first time going to the lead, and he ran well. He just got beat by the champ barely while you know a mile ahead of everyone else, and this is a horse who usually stalks the pace. I don't see why he can't improve second time going long, and so far it sounds like he likes being at Churchill. And I think the Florida Derby was a pretty good race. Known Agenda was impressive. Soup and Sandwich was okay behind it. But, you know, Known Agenda and Highly Motivated actually ran against each other in a maiden race when Highly Motivated uh, beat Known Agenda last year as a two-year-old sprinting. I think those may be the two ones to be really scared of if you're an essential quality fan. Both Highly Motivated and Known Agenda, I think, are heading the right direction. That's a pretty uh, that's a pretty reasonable assessment of the Derby. Uh, I'm a little questionable about Kylie motivated. Uh, I think his pedigree leans a little bit more towards a mile and a sixteenth. But um, uh, you know, a- after watching, I read on on uh, 
on Saturday, literally pick a horse up and carry it to the finish line. It's, uh, I think, uh, you certainly have to uh, consider uh, using known agenda in the Derby, and uh, it's it's kind of a bizarre year. I mean, like literally, Soup and Sandwich two starts ago ran against two other horses. <laughs> you know, um, uh, my highly motivated has never won a two turn race. He's only run on one, and it's just the most least accomplished Derby field ever. I believe it's it's uh, just kind of crazy, but. Uh, uh, you know, who knows? Hakata River came back. He he was out, and now they brought him back in. So the, the derby pace changed uh, significantly with he, him being in the race. And, uh, you know, we still got a ways to go before they actually uh, load in the gate. But uh, hopefully you have a great week up there. And uh, uh, good luck, of course, uh, in your new uh, position at, at Prairie Meadows. And I uh, appreciate you being on. And, and I will see you tomorrow for uh, HRN race day at uh, 3 o'clock. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Looking forward to it, buddy. Have a great evening. You got it, Bobby. Thank you. Bye. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial. We'll be back to close out this week's Going in Circles Live. Why in the past decade has BRL Equine become the premier equine supplement company in the industry? Because we spend millions in research and development before we ever put out a product. Because we use only FDA-supervised facilities to manufacture for us. Because what we say is in them, is in them. Because they work. Because if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. And because top trainers and veterinarians in thoroughbred racing, standardbred racing, three-day eventing, and barrel racing all trust in BRL Equine. Shouldn't you? To find out more how Flexify HA, Unlock, Bleeder Shield, and EPO Equine can help you, contact me, Joseph Volante, 215 501 6880. This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email Going in Circles Podcast at gmail.com and log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. All right, we're back. Just going to wrap things up. Um, as I had mentioned before, the uh, the Racing Commission in Arkansas has made a ruling on, on uh, the Charlatan Gamine positive tests, and it's it's well, I mean, it, it's it's not that surprising to be honest, but um, uh, they have have changed the decision of the of the stewards, and Mister Bafford is is no longer getting fifteen days. Uh, he was fined five thousand dollars each um, for the infraction, but apparently there was a lot of issues with the way the uh, samples were handled, the chain of custody, it's called, um, and that's that's an administrative screw up on, on the the part of the um, the testing facilities who are contracted out by the the state of Arkansas, uh, Truesdale Lab being chief one. That they were also involved with the issues at Monmouth Park last year with not getting the samples uh, tested and, and having a huge backload of a uh, backlog of, of, of untested samples, which led to purses being held up for, for months. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know the racing world is going to be unhappy because this is not saying that these horses didn't have a, an over the, the threshold amount of the, medication in question in their systems it is a technical win um 
so I'm sure that there'll be a lot of hand wringing and, and, uh, there'll be a lot of issues. Um, there'll be a lot of issues. Uh, this is one of the problems when racing becomes, uh, more of a governmental, uh, on a governmental stage in that, um, you get lawyers in there and, and they're going to pick apart these cases and they're going to find small uh, mistakes that are made. And we all know you've watched enough law and order to know that if, if one um, area is, is not, the, the I's aren't dotted and the T's aren't crossed, then we're, we're going to have issues and, and you're going to see um, uh, cases get thrown out. And in this case, I don't necessarily, and I'm not, I shouldn't speak for him, but I, I think, the reason that they were fighting these cases was the purse money. Not, not that the Baffert could get 15 days. I mean, Baffert got 15 days. He got 15 days. He could do 15 days um, in Cabo. And I, I don't think the penalties as such are, are even that big of a deal for, for a guy like him. But but it's the purse money. And that's why the lawyers took the tack that they did because they wanted to get the um, um the results thrown out more or less. And, and that's what they did. And they did accomplish it. And, uh, I mean, it's certainly not going to make him any more popular, but, um, but this is part of the problem when we get, um, when, when we, when the stewards don't ultimately make decisions and when we get more involved with racing commissions and, and whatever, uh, the HISA law is going to set up, uh, and the things have to be, uh, able to stand up in a court of law. And that's why the, the HPPA's lawsuit against HISA, in effect, is probably going to work out to everyone's benefit because any flaws in the system, anything that can be attacked by a guilty party, is, is going to get the light of day on it now, before the, we were, were the law of the land, uh, so to speak, before we, we, get, you know, we catch people that are doing wrong. Um, I, and I know people get upset and, and then they say, well, you know, they're against change, blah, blah, blah. Nah, that's not exactly the truth. The fact of the matter is that everything must be able to withstand a legal challenge. If it cannot withstand a legal challenge, then you get situations like this. And no one really feels good about this. Maybe the connections of the, the owners of those two horses feel good about it. Um, the jockeys as well is they're all going to get paid, but, um, these are the kind of unsettled issues that, that exist when we get into court of law with racing, um, issues in, in that, you know, the, the, the laboratories are contracted out, but racing has no real control over them. And I know that, uh, under the new law, there's going to be uh, more guidelines, more stringent guidelines about the labs. But uh, Truesdale is the one lab that, that's consistently underbid contracts, which is why they're still around, which is why racing commissions, who are often under state laws to award the, the bid to the lowest contractor, um, you know, despite the issues that they've had, they're, they, they, uh, they're still, you know, in business. So, uh so be careful what you wish for, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, again, I, I wanted to thank Gabe Pruitt for, for giving us an hour. And, and uh, I mean, he's a busy man. And, uh, and what, honestly, what, what he's done there is, is just uh, just stupendous. And, and Bobby Newman, of course, my longtime friend, my college roommate, who uh, has been trying to call races for, oh, man, since the 80s. He was going up to Globe and all these 
crazy places in, in, in Arizona on, on the, the fair circuit. Uh, you talk about minor. Um, but uh, glad to see he's uh, he's back in the in, in the game. He's uh, he's not ready to give it up yet. And and uh, you know I I was got a lot of days. I mean I think they run all the way to September, so uh, it'll be a good long summer for him out in uh, out in the the, the great Midwest. Uh, but thanks for everyone for listening. Um, we taped the show last night, the Big Monday show. Barry is a little under the weather, so uh, Jason Bidey's uh, filled in. Give that a listen. Uh, Jason's a pretty sharp guy and he's always got a, a little bit of different angle that, uh, um, a little different perspective. And, and, uh, that's always a good thing. Uh, we will be back next week and the going in circles digest should be out later this week. And we might even do something stupid like, uh, rank the derby horses or something like that. But, uh, I can't promise it, but it'll happen probably. All right. Thanks for listening. And, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Why in the past decade has BRL Equine become the premier equine supplement company in the industry? Because we spend millions in research and development before we ever put out a product. Because we use only FDA supervised facilities to manufacture for us. Because what we say is in them is in them. Because they work. Because if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. And because top trainers and veterinarians in thoroughbred racing, standard bred racing, three-day eventing, and barrel racing all trust in BRL Equine. Shouldn't you? To find out more how Flexify HA, Unlock, Bleeder Shield, and EPO Equine can help you, contact me, Joseph Volante, 215-501-6880.